0: You're listening to Ricky and Jimmy on Relationships, the show where we uncover the thoughts and behaviors that are sabotaging your relationship and what you can do about it. Jimmy and I are passionate about sharing the ways that imperfect partners like you and I can shift unhealthy relational dynamics and create closeness. So, welcome. Drop your defenses and open your heart, eyes, and ears. Let's learn how to be the best partner we can be together. Welcome back, everybody. Today we have author Matthew Frey, uh, the author of This Is How Your Marriage Ends. Jimmy and I are so excited. This is one of one of our favorite books, I want to say. Oh, save. absolutely. Um, and uh, we don't have many guests on. We're very picky about the guests that we have here. So Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. We cannot wait to talk to you about your book.
1: Thank you both so much for having me. Happy to discuss whatever you want.
2: Absolutely. Um, so I, I have um the reason that matthew and i got connected was because um somebody sent him somebody sent him one of the, one of my videos one of my stupid videos that i did, Oh, that's awesome where i had put <laughs> i had put his book in my, in my videos kind of just like um the wife the wife which is me in a wig um was reading was Jimily, reading it by the Jimily, way i have yeah, coined
0: yeah. did you see that i've coined your <laughs> alter ego <laughs> I,
2: I hope you didn't see that video matt um but um but, uh, anyways, she's like, she's like, oh, I'm I'm reading this book. This is how your marriage ends. Like, you should you should read this. Anyways, um, stupid video. But anyway, so somebody reached out to you, I'm guessing, and was like, hey, this guy's <laughs> this guy's promoting your book in his stupid videos. It's,
1: it's happened a couple of times. <laughs> you should you should speak well. You've done an amazing job with those videos. Oh, it's, you're very it, kind. you're, you're doing good work.
2: <laughs> it's Thank true,
1: Jimmy.
0: I, we all love your videos, but I, I really oh, think. You know, after reading after reading your book, Matthew, uh Jimmy Jimmy has a message for the men of the world who's that it's very similar to what you're what you're saying in your book. So, I'm actually not surprised at all that you guys are connected right now because you're on the kind of on the same mission.
2: Oh my gosh, yes. The the yes, Yeah. Can I just read one of the when I was reading through your book, this is this is um one of the one of the mission statements that you made was just so good. Uh, you said my my overarching premise is that good people who want to be married accidentally hurt one another and betray each other's trust without either partner being aware of it, and mm-hmm. it is happening until their marriage slowly becomes toxic and or ends. And that's yeah. so that's so true. It's it's I mean it's so easy in this culture to just play the blame game. And 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 we'll get to one of the questions that I love would love to ask you is just about how in this culture. Everybody's a narcissist, but that's a different con- that's a different conversation. And I know I know you'll have a lot. I know you'll have some stuff to say about that. But your point that you make consistently throughout the book is just like, and this this comes up in so many different people that you read is just like we're missing each other. Like we want to be. We're not. We're not aligned. We're missing each other, yeah. and it causes us to be. Um, we start to make assumptions. We start to create false narratives. We start to, you know, and oftentimes it is just a result of our own ignorance or our own uh, obliviousness. And it can really, really damage your marriage. And I know that personally, and you know that personally.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I I wanted to say too, um, Jimmy has never been divorced before, but I have. So your your book really hit home in a way. I know this seems funny, because you would think um, that I would probably typically be playing the role of your ex-wife but really like i was definitely the more defensive partner who thought oh if they would just i think this is a direct quote from your book too like if they would just stop freaking out about everything everything would be fine and that was like a that's like a direct quote that i def said right before my divorce (laughs) you know before i realized how much of a contributor to it i was too
1: yeah i was telling uh jimmy like before you know we started recording today that oh, i was listening to your validation episode oh, and great. you were That's talking about you were talking about like how you were feeling about putting dishes in the sink yeah. and that was <laughs> my clue that you may have like a little <laughs> bit of me
0: kind of like
1: in your life that yeah that was
0: funny yeah you the damage in me recognizes the damage in you (laughs) we have the same issues there yeah so I want to say even after oh gosh I think I've been working on myself solidly for four or five years now um there were pages from your book that made me go oh my gosh i'm still doing this thing and i didn't realize it so i want to thank you for that here i am thinking i'm i'm all healed and got it all figured out and really um this stuff still plagues us sometimes even when we try really really hard at it
1: sure i'm not afraid to talk about it either Uh, people pay me a decent (laughs) way to coach them on these things Mm -hmm. and and then i do it and then like like, i still do it the difference mm-hmm. between me today and me 10 years ago, mm-hmm. that I, I don't think we need to, like, bat a thousand. I don't think we need to be perfect. I agree. I think yeah. we need to be self-aware, mm-hmm. notice the behavior, and, like, concentrate on repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something almost, like, more beautiful about it than yeah. some sort of impossible to achieve, like, perfection. Um, I, I really think people agree more. People need to give themselves some grace and and then hopefully one another some grace but it's hard to give people grace when (laughs) when they do the the lack of validation and consideration absolutely as i think you both know that's what i talk about all the time
0: oh totally and just today um i i found myself in the same one of those kind of dishes scenario where i had clearly done something that upset my partner and i i noticed myself getting defensive and um it's from reading reading your book very recently that I was like, ah, this is the moment where I go, where I like, hey, what I did hurt you. And he was like, yeah, it did. And it just totally diffused the whole thing. He was like, okay, thanks. Now we can get somewhere. Thank you for admitting that. Now we can continue with this conversation. Um, and, um, and I think Jimmy, that's one of the central messages in most of your videos, isn't it? Like stop the moment, recognize that you're actually doing something that really hurts that other person. Own it. And you guys can move on from there.
2: Yeah, I think it was Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight, when I read that. It was, it was I've had so many, since I knew nothing about marriage, and, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's a quote in here about how, about how that's just, um, you know, rampant is that we, we go into this thing with just such limited knowledge, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, she talks about um, those types of dances that you're in that you don't really realize that you're in and, that, and, and how to, um, how to stop the dance, you know? It's so, it's 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 vital that you know how to stop the dance or else it'll just keep destroying things.
1: I'm glad you guys use words like pain and hurt. Um, Jimmy, I don't know what your experience talking with the guys that write you, but I was totally empathizing, sympathizing, all the words when you were talking about like the guys giving you feedback. And I don't love to like do the gender stereotype thing too much, but sort of mathematically speaking, right we do get people sort of falling into their roles like most Mm -hmm. of the time and and i get certain feedback from guys and and you were like echoing all of it in that conversation Mm -hmm. about validation all the excuses about like well if if she's fundamentally wrong or if it's a feeling based on something that isn't true um Mm. like you know i don't want to validate it and then um when they're feeling defensive it's like i don't want to it feels like an admission of guilt and and i'm not going to admit to something that i didn't do and and i understand and it's like the highest priority in my coaching work is trying to really hammer home this notion of validation. And, and I really talk about it as a habit, because Mm -hmm. I think people have a habit of having adult disagreements in their relationships. And the unintended consequence of disagreement, sometimes at least relationally with the people we're closest to is invalidation. And Trying to sell somebody on the idea can be, like, a little bit difficult sometimes. (laughs) But the thing that worked for me personally and the thing that helps me the most when I'm talking to the guys that I'm working with is mapping the concept of pain or hurt onto it. Because while a lot of men don't want to say, yeah, like, you know, my wife's always right or she's the boss or I've got to do everything she wants, like, that results in resistance a lot. Mm Mm-hmm to a person everybody wants to protect their partner from injury and so if you can get them to the place where it's like they hurt because of this like the individual moments of validation don't necessarily hurt not at the beginning of the relationship but maybe like right years in when it's like, I'm trying to tell you something's wrong and your response is always some version of, of your wrong, stupid, crazy, weak, hypersensitive, overreacting, or your feelings are my responsibility. So stop blaming me for it. Right. But like guys get uncomfortable and they don't. And it's funny because there's like this battle between like the ugly stuff in, in, in common behavior and relationships. And then something that's sort of like decent, like decent hearted, mm-hmm. if you will, And a lot of people that I encounter in my work want to help their partners and they're so frustrated that they can't. And so for them, it's like, I wanna give them space and go away. Not equating that with feelings of abandonment, which is inevitably what happens. Oh, And it's what Jimmy said earlier, just like ships in the night, just missing each other all the time
0: perhaps a touch of avoidant attachment there for a lot of your a lot of your clients who may not realize that they, if i just if i just get some distance and stop hurting her for a while everything will be okay when really that makes it much worse
1: yeah it certainly does i mm-hmm. i'm i'm that guy oh, i'm yeah. also the guy yeah. that goes away yeah. um, sure. until until i realize until i learned how to understand the, essentially the sentences that i'm speaking when i do that Mm-hmm. that your pain simply does not matter as much to me as mine does. Mm-hmm. That the things that matter to you will never matter as much to me as the things that are important to me. Totally. Therefore, when my feelings come up against your feelings, I choose me over you. Like, right. that's a recipe for relationships not working. And I don't think people notice that that is the unintended or unspoken like, message that they're sending mm-hmm. when they get into this like conflict pattern relationally.
0: Sure, I think um, you see a lot of you see the word narcissism get thrown around a lot online too. and I know I know I'm going to come under fire for this. I'm waiting for the emails to start hitting my inbox now, but I think a lot of those so-called narcissists are people who just don't realize that they're hurting their partner by running away or, or making them feel like their feelings and, and thoughts don't matter.
1: That's all I've got to say on that, you guys. I just just had to get my little dig in.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to quote you real quick because what you're talking about, there's a quote in your book from my million of quotes that I wrote down. Um, (laughs) You said, I loved my wife, but I didn't respect her individual experiences as being equally valid as mine. And that that encapsulates so much of the arguments that we get in. If we could just stop and think to ourselves, there is individual experience is valid i might not agree with it and this is where validation and agreement gets such a bad where Mm -hmm. people mix them up and i i understand that it's it works both sides because some partners if you don't agree with them they don't care what you're saying like i need you to agree with this so Mm -hmm. i get that it works both sides where it's like people can validate you and they don't have to agree with your reality or they don't have to agree with like but but there's something so caring about what ricky said earlier which is just like I care about whether or not this hurt you. I care about, you know, what you're going through. And you, you touched on empathy earlier and how, um, I mean, you know, empathy is a common theme throughout the book of just like, that's such a, that's such, such something that people don't tell you how important it is. And, and you don't necessarily go into it with that, with those skills. And it's, it's helpful to have.
1: Yeah. Jimmy, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in a town of about 25,000 people in Ohio. And um, I don't want to pick on towns of 25,000 people in Ohio, some exceedingly decent people in these places. But, but young boys were not... This is not a thing we were taught or coached on, like, at all. It was not a... a, a va- we, didn't, we didn't require empathy in order to have successful social relationships, um, uh, academic experiences. We, it just it wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, there was sort of this rite of passage where... You kind of picked, I didn't pick on kids that weren't that close to me because I'm not like a bully. It's not something that I really do, but it picked on my friends all the time. I like, guess what we did was like kind of mm-hmm. call each other names and make fun of each other. It was just part of like how we grew up. And Jimmy, again, I don't know if that was, that was your experience at all, but this notion of just constantly being mindful of other people's experiences was well outside my periphery um, in my formative years. Correct
0: i love that you're i'm i'm sitting here as a woman right now and my mind's getting kind of blown because um I had I had lots of male friends growing up, mostly male friends. I was a bit of a tomboy. And I would watch them like roast each other. They would just like rip each other apart. And that was fun for them. That was like Bonnie. Now they couldn't do that to me, because that does that doesn't work in girl world. But amongst my female friends, it's not like that. Um, empathy is everything in female relationships, you know. We get a lot of practice with it and we get a lot of social reinforcement saying if you're not a highly empathetic girl who's paying attention to people's feelings you know you're gonna get ostracized boys don't get that kind of training and it really does not set you guys up well for for marriage success
1: (laughs) no i i don't want to make excuses like it's not our fault that we we are responsible for our behavior like so like let's start there no but you had a wonderful
0: quote in your book um it was um what was it (sighs) I'm going to butcher this. I don't want to, because I loved it so much. It was like, like, (laughs) it's, it's not, you're responsible for it, but it's not your fault. Right. And I just love that. I just love that. Cause it's like, don't beat yourself up over it. There's a reason that you're acting like this, but at the same time, it's also on you to be addressing it. I thought that was great.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. And it's funny (laughs) and, and like kind of like a slightly connected thought is One of the things I'm always talking to guys about when we're doing the invalidation thing, and I don't know if you remember from the book, but I have this belief that there's like sort of like three really common invalidating like methods. And it's one, it's like I disagree with your intellectual experience. Another Mm -hmm. is I disagree with your emotional reaction to something. And Uh then the third is defensiveness. I believe those three kind of emerge as the three most common ways. We see mm-hmm. certainly the most common that I exhibited in my relationship, <laughs> but defensiveness almost always is mm-hmm. like at the forefront mm-hmm. of like invalidating behavior in relationships. And I'm always telling the guys, and, and I don't know that this is 100% true, by the way, because mm-hmm. maybe sometimes they do some things that are, you know, not so awesome. But um, mm-hmm. but But most of the time I have this belief that we're hurting people by accident. That there's just, right. that, yeah. you know, we, we, when we're in an argument, when a disagreement doesn't even have to be like an argument, when we're just mm-hmm. disagreeing about something, we believe we're on the right side of the argument, mm-hmm. we love the person we're talking to, mm-hmm. and we do not do things to intentionally hurt them. That's just not right. part of like our DNA, so to speak. And right. so it's so easy to defend oneself. And one of the things that I always am working with guys on is the, the, the mindfulness around, you didn't do anything wrong. So you don't have to defend yourself. You didn't do a bad thing. You did Mm -hmm. something which resulted in pain for someone else. Uh, And that really matters. And you don't have to like beat yourself up about it, but you do have to accept responsibility and and repair if you want to have safety and trust in your relationship.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully that helps them cope a little bit with the the shame of having done something that caused pain too you know that that shame i did something that resulted in another human being having pain it's hard to sit with that that's the shame that makes us go well wait a minute i had good reasons for doing that thing you know but I, I just, I just love that you're telling them like you, you can sit with that because it's not so black and white. You're not a terrible person, but, but part of not being a terrible person is accepting what I've done and opening up to my partner and saying, how can we do things differently?
1: I, I've been spending a lot of time, I've been doing it for a while, um, mm-hmm. but I've been spending a lot of time lately talking about peanut allergies, um, yeah. because <laughs> I think it's such a, it's such a useful analogy mm-hmm. for I can do something innocent. N- mm. Not only is it innocent, a lot of people really like, like you know, like a bowl of mixed nuts, like at a party. I or
0: love something. peanuts.
1: Yeah, so, having friends over, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's like you know, there's a bunch of like bowls sitting out on the bar on the table, and there's all these nuts, and then you find out like one of your guests has mm-hmm. a really severe, if not potentially fatal, peanut allergy, and mm-hmm. and now it turns out that everybody's hands have essentially poison on them in the, hole, right. in the room that they're in. Every surface that they touch becomes toxic to this mm-hmm. one guest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, imagine like telling them that they're the problem because everybody else seems to be enjoying it. And oh, you know, every yeah. time I eat not because like, I never get sick, like they're totally delicious. And we of right. course wouldn't do that. That sounds like so absurd, but I don't think that's like super far away from what we're doing relationally. But, yeah. but I think it really hammers home the point about, I didn't do anything. To hurt anybody, but that doesn't mean the decision I made didn't put someone else in jeopardy on some level. Yeah. And, and then I think more to the point about relationship trust: how many times can I invite that person over and have peanut things out—peanut oh. butter cookies or some Thai dish with peanut? You know, like how many times do <laughs> I like get away with that? Before that person says, okay, that person is like trying to kill me <laughs> or that person <laughs> right. just has like no respect for me that I can't trust them to protect me from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is like the apropos analogy to our relationships. It's like either my partner's hurting me on purpose over and over again because they truly don't care about me or they're hurting me by accident over and over again because I can't trust them to care about that which matters to me. I can't trust them to think about the ways that I'm hurt by something that maybe they're not hurt by. And um that's I don't know, it's so frustrating for the person with like less power in the relationship. I don't know if I don't know if you feel that way about it, but I always feel like the person that's doesn't have like a voice that's listened to in the relationship, like they gotta take the power back by like leaving or like dropping the hammer one way or the other. Absolutely. I don't Uh, let me let me tag on
0: to that too. Um it's not always like, it's not always like poison or like a, the peanut. It's not always as severe as a poisonous peanut allergy. And you said in your book too, it's it. You don't go out with a bang, right? You go out with a whimper. It's the thousand pin pricks, and you bleed out, and you don't even realize it. You're not putting a bowl of peanuts of poisonous peanuts. Go ahead and just edit that out, Jimmy. That sounded like a birdie <laughs> slip. You're not putting a bowl of poisonous peanuts out on a table. It's like you are you're you're invalidating them slowly little by little every day and that's and that's the thing that we don't see it's the invisible it's the invisible um marriage killer you know
2: yep that's my um, like cat too, Jimmy. I'm sorry, to I that saw also. that.
0: Let's just chop this whole thing out. Do I lock? No, in we're
2: the not. No, we're not chopping. It. <laughs> okay, we're not. We're not um, chopping. Uh, it.
0: By the way, the, the email reports are that they love the cat sounds, so they want they want you to leave her in there. So
2: <laughs> it's actually what's that called, like ASMR or something? Yes, that totally. Called? It's yeah. like yeah.
0: soothing. So
2: <laughs> yeah, people love people love. Cats. I wanted to quote you because that's all I, that's all I do in on I don't have I don't have thoughts of my own. I just quote you, but. <laughs> Um, you talk about just how how um, dangerous it can be in, w- in one section you say um, that we avoid discussing private, vulnerable thoughts and feelings for fear of judgment or rejection, mm-hmm. and, um, and when once you do that, you know that things just fall apart and uh, that, that made your point earlier, which is like to someone who doesn't feel like they have a voice, um, like we, that's something that I strongly believe in that both people need to feel safe to be. Like you have to learn how to be vulnerable. You have to learn how to share one of the big, you would, I know you would agree because it's just peppered throughout your book. Is just like, you have to be able to share when something's bothering you. And of course the other Mm. person has to learn how to receive that. Um, But, but to not be able to share something is just a recipe for resentment and um, uh, just a buildup of, of, of pain. And it, it eventually comes to a head where, um, something happens. Either either that person leaves for good, or they finally build up the courage to say their piece, and, and maybe counseling happens. Who knows? But, you know.
1: Yeah, and right, and that's, that's twofold on, on both ends of it. Either the person that's afraid to share, or the person who responds in a manner which results in the person not wanting to share. Absolutely. Which is what invalidation uh, does to people over time. Sure. So, right? Is there's, there's, there's a. Do we need to be courageous and brave in our communication? And and I think really the healthiest way to think about it really is just honesty. And we yeah. should. And it's exact, Jimmy. It's exactly right. It's what I talk about with with validation when I'm talking to the guys. It's the, that's how I sum it up. I'm like, two relationship partners must be able to communicate a problem they're having, and yeah. then like have that work out for them afterward but that's just not what usually happens i think in in the average and by average i mean like mathematically common relationship yeah. yeah is you know like if if it does not align with something we believe to be true or fair or appropriate or something like that then some sort of disagreement ensues mm-hmm. and so begins this like invalidation dance that we do and you do that enough times over 3 5 10 15 years the other yeah. person doesn't even want to talk anymore because Absolutely. like every time I mean, and the way that I talk to my clients about it is like, and and again, usually they're men. So I'm like, so your wife, after 15 years of marriage, has learned after hundreds of times of of wanting to do this, she's thinking about, okay, I'm having a problem with something. I'm upset about something. Do I want to go tell them? And she's now at the place where she predicts Mm -hmm. that if you're not going to like what she has to say, you're going to imply that there's something wrong with her brain. She's wrong, Mm -hmm. stupid or crazy, that there's something wrong with her feelings that she's uh, weak, hypersensitive, overreacting, or that you're going to get defensive and, and, and essentially communicate, hey, stop blaming me for your inconvenient, wimpy feelings, because because I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and I, that is just the gateway to very, very slowly destroying your relationship. Yeah. And yeah. I find it to be such a sad story because a lot of exceedingly smart and kind people do this to one another. Mm-hmm. It does not require stupidity or or anything by way or of narcissism like, poor character. Yeah. No, certainly not. Yeah. Regular I think really people. decent people do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd like yeah. to throw a
0: little comfort out for uh Frank and Carol. Those are our those are our names that we use for our stereotypical listeners. Um yeah. the, like that. this this thing where you guys repair being able to speak up about something that bothers you and the other person being able to receive that, that takes practice. That's not just something you hear about the concept and then suddenly you're good at it and you can both do it. I just want to let you guys know, um, you listeners and, and both of you here, that um, my partner and I have been working on that for four solid years now and we're still working on it. It's not something you hear about and you just clicks. So nobody taught us that, you know? not really so it takes a lot of practice um learning to speak up for yourself especially for my audience who's mostly anxiously attached and uh learning how to receive that gracefully which would be any human who feels defensive when somebody tells them that they've injured them in some way emotionally
2: yeah and that's especially true um that reminded me of of when you talk about when there's no safety if there's no trust and Mm -hmm. um trust is just one of the like The more that I learn about trust, unfortunately, I'm not going to go on a tangent on this, but unfortunately, I had to learn about how important trust was. Uh, You probably don't know about my history, but I had an affair earlier in in our marriage, and that's what kind of rocked it to its core to where, um, I mean, we were talking about divorce, and and, and, um, she kicked me out, rightfully so. I mean, I I wasn't – I just was a terrible partner when it comes to um, what to do after an affair. You know, um, you hear about – how terrible i mean it's just it's it sounds so terrible when you say it out loud but it happens far too often is that the the person who betrayed um they they almost they can't take responsibility and they'll they'll almost blame you for the fact that they had an affair which is just mind-blowing that someone would do that but um but you're just operating from a place of just massive immaturity and and unable to take accountability and
1: jimmy is this something that you talk about like um you do you do you ever go deeper than like what you just said
2: um i'm
1: not pressing you if you don't
2: no 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 no. i'll go as deep as i need to i, well, I, wait, I wait a second one, matthew, I matthew yeah
0: matthew <laughs> is matthew yeah. asking you jimmy whether or not you go yeah. deeper into it with emily or is he oh, asking whether I, you go I, deeper I into anyone, it? with the, with the like viewers yeah. With the viewers, right yeah, yeah
2: i i do plan on going deeper with public consumption um if, if you want to know my master plan, Matthew, I, I, um, I want to make a, I want to make a course all about a fair recovery. So that's my goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where yeah. I, that's where I would go deeper and, um, uh, just make a big, make a one time course where people could take that are unfortunately going through that terrible time in their life. But yeah,
1: I, I leverage all of my relational shortcomings for like storytelling purposes and to try to like, <laughs> like yeah. share a lesson with somebody. And, and I didn't, I didn't want to press you on yours if you don't want to talk no. about it. but
2: No, no, no I'm I mean, open to I
1: mean, Well, what I think is so interesting about marital affairs is that I, I, I think often, and I don't want to sound defensive of them, I don't want to sound defensive of the, the betrayer, Person. so to speak, but so often, and, and I understand what you were just saying, by the way, I'm not for not those people not accepting responsibility, but they often believe a story about 100%. their wife Mm-hmm. That they can like rationalize the choice. It's like she Absolutely. doesn't want me, she doesn't respect me. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like Absolutely, she doesn't yeah. like she doesn't show any interest in me or whatever. And then it's like this person does, and you know, there's emotional intimacy with you know somebody that somebody works with. And it right, and it starts because of this like absence of connection and repair and intimacy, yes. like yes. just like this relational behavior that results three, four, five, seven years down the road. And and these, I don't know. It's like an affair that people, they truly don't feel like they're doing necessarily a bad thing. I think on paper, they know that it's not okay. For sure. But it doesn't feel wrong like it maybe would have five years earlier. They'd be like, I'd never do that. Then Mm -hmm. they find themselves in a place where like, you know what? Holy shit, I would do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm only saying that because I spent 18 months in a guest bedroom. Mm -hmm. And when you spend 18 months in a guest bedroom, you start trying to rationalize all kinds of things. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like did yeah. I, is this really what marriage is? Did I like sign up to just like be like super sad alone like all the time and have my wife totally. never talk to me and you start wondering like what am I capable of?
2: Oh, and, for sure.
1: You know, frankly, uh, she just probably left fast enough for me to not get any more trouble. But <laughs> Yeah. You know, I wasn't yeah. my best self. Yeah. I wasn't my best self those sleepless nights in that room. I was feeling sorry for myself and thinking she was, you know, predominantly the problem for yeah. like, you're like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like,
2: oh, I know she wanted oh, to yeah. marry yeah. me
1: and now she doesn't want to be married to me anymore. I feel so betrayed for sure, but really the entire time I was like a prick and I didn't know it was bad. No, no,
2: I, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely want to make more content warning people about the, uh, no, knowing what I know now I can see all the red flags um, mm-hmm. on both sides. Not that Emily did anything that caused my affair, but I can see warning flags on both sides of just the disconnection and the breakdown. And that's, that yes. brings me back to my other point of just um, the more you read about, the more I try to study relationships, they all center around trust and safety. And um, the moment that, and you say it perfectly in your book, that's why I just, I, I, I would strongly encourage uh, anyone to read it, but especially, especially men, um, as Ricky said, she got a lot out of it, too. But but especially men, because it just touches on so much of like the male brain. Um, anyways, my point is that we can break trust in so many small ways that we, we think of betrayals of trust as w- what I did, which is a sexual betrayal. Um, but there are countless betrayals on both sides. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that they're equal to sexual betrayal, but I'm just saying like small betrayals add up and whether or not you get divorced or one person has an affair or you just have a miserable marriage, none of those are good options. Like we should, Mm -hmm. you know, so. (laughs) And you say that in your book, obviously.
1: I do. I, I think of you know. I talk about this concept of consideration a lot. Validation is is one of the mm-hmm. core like ideas I try to like coach about, and consideration is the other. Right. And we don't need to like deep dive too hard, but basically it is. Right. I kind of want you to life. really. We, can oh we deep heart, dive a little
0: off. bit on because I because yep. um that's well, that's one of my biggest problems in my relationship. I am inconsiderate, and that's hard to admit, but I am. Right. And that's, I, I love my partner so much more than anybody, but sometimes I'm going to go make myself a sandwich and not ask if he's hungry, you know? And that's like, to me, that's not a big deal, but to him, it's the biggest deal, you know?
1: Mm, yeah. That's funny. Um,
0: so a deep dive yeah. all you want on consideration. Cause sometimes uh, well, some of us who think we're great partners are, you know, a lack of consideration is a really big deal. That's the death by a thousand cuts.
1: All right. Well, I guess let me start at the beginning and I'll just do the same spiel <laughs> I do in my coaching work. I am um, I'm, I'm, I make it algebraic and I hope you'll bear with me on this. Um, and I, I think it was in the book like a little bit, but I didn't go like too deep on it. <clears throat> but I talked to a lot of people. And again, I don't love the stereotyping thing. That's my little like disclaimer. But, but I talked to a lot of women and, and, and more often than not, the, My female client would be a married mother of two. That is the most like statistically common female client that I would encounter, Mm -hmm. and she's usually on the receiving end of the behavior I'm trying to coach like out of people, so to speak. Oh, basically, right? She's like the equivalent of my Mm ex-wife most of the time. Sometimes she's coming to me and saying, "Matt, like I'm the you." Um, (laughs) Yeah. But most of the time, she's not. And here's the story she tells me, and this is me like superimposing algebra on top of it. She Mm -hmm. says, "Matt." I'm a person, right? I'm an individual. I'm a variable in the math equation that I use to make decisions. And the mm-hmm. value of this variable is comprised of my wants and needs. So I want something, I need something, I go do it. I'm thirsty, I get a drink, I'm cold, I get a blanket, um, my hair is getting a little out of sorts, I make a hair appointment. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I live. I, I want or need something, therefore I do it. it. Is the default setting of virtually every mammal on the planet. And then she says, "But I'm not the only variable in the equation. I used to make decisions. I'm not the only person in my world. I have a spouse, and he is a second variable, and he has different wants and needs than I do. And I have a couple of children, and they have different wants and needs than I do. And so when I make decisions, um, what to get, and I'm sorry for how pathetically stereotypical this is. Excuse me, <laughs> but when I, yeah, when, when I'm when I'm planning on what to get at the grocery store, when I'm planning on what to do on the weekend, when I'm planning um, vacation activities, and holiday gifts, and um, just all of the things that one does for their spouse and or children. I am accounting for all of us, and I am, to the best of my ability, accurately calculating for all of us. And so I don't make decisions that don't take into account all of my people and all of the things that I, I know about them in terms of their wants and needs. Like, that is how I show love and care. And then she says, I'm married to somebody who doesn't do that. I'm married to somebody where he is often the only variable in the equation. He used to make a decision. He wanted or needed something, and then he just did it. And often that will result in some measure of pain or frustration for me, and I'll say something about it. And so after 15, 17, 20 years together, I can only conclude one of two things, and I said this already. He's either he knows my wants and needs, and he does whatever he wants anyway because he doesn't care about my pain. He doesn't really care that I'm hurt. Or I'm married to somebody who doesn't think about me at all. I'm married to somebody where like this huge percentage of life, like I'm not, I don't rank high enough apparently on his like priority list to, to be aware that I am impacted by the things he does or does not do. And, and this is where I'm like trying to map like pain onto this. like. And I just hope like anybody listening would, would, would understand when somebody promises to love you all the days of your life and, and, and they, they sacrifice so much for you and then you know you're gonna you're gonna not remember that they're impacted by you know by your behavior i think is a real slight
0: matthew hey that's a great that's a great point i wanted to ask you a little bit about mental load because i get a lot of emails um especially from women uh, who feel that they have an, they have a disproportionate uh, amount of mental load that they have to juggle in their relationship. And then maybe a spouse or a partner who doesn't understand what mental load is or how they're even contributing to it. Do you get a lot of that in your group?
1: Constantly. I would say Constantly. it is the number one or number two, most common mm-hmm. complaint, you know, vocalized yeah. frustration, from the partner with less power which is almost always the mother almost always um and when i, I don't mean like less power it's not It's not you know what i mean like it's not yeah. true so much as they're on the receiving end of they're experiencing more pain in the relationship than the other person is what i think i mean when i say that um
0: yeah
1: um i want a quick shout out so in case i forget to do it i think nobody writes or speaks about this subject more effectively than Eve Rodsky, who I've been very blessed to get to know via like this work that I do. She wrote the book. She's the oh. author of the book, um, Fair Play. Um, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I was
0: hoping you would like, mention Fair Play. I have like a three second cameo
1: That's- in like their documentary on that. <laughs> um, but I mean, it really awesome. is a coincidence okay. that I got to know her just cause I kind of like write about the same things. I was sharing her book with my clients before, like I had the opportunity to meet her. Um, Anyway, I think she's brilliant, I think she wrote a wonderful book, and I think she's articulated these concepts about, about the mental load as well as anybody. So if anybody really wants to deep like, yeah. dive yeah. on the subject, I think Eve's work is as good as it gets. Um, but, cool. but, you know, consideration for me, it's like, it can be anything. Consideration for me in summary is, you can trust me to handle with care that which matters to you. And for Really that. busy mothers of two or three and it, it, Jimmy you in the summertime um, yeah, yeah. You, you know <laughs> it's it's man, it sure would be nice not to have to like be one hundred percent responsible for every single like thing domestically, mm-hmm. and when you start adding it up when you start adding up like you know Sally has to go to the doctor and Craig has to get to soccer practice, and you know but well, it's, know. Over, I'm it's not over creative room. enough it's to hard. come up with all these names, but like and all of these things, <laughs> and, and there, there's different healthcare needs, there's different dietary needs, there's different clothing needs, there's right. different schedule needs. Medicine, um,
2: it's ridiculous.
1: There's right, there's like, and then and just like just house maintenance, um, sourcing groceries, bill paying, cleaning, uh, maintaining schedules, all the little one-off yeah, stuff, right. like when the AC, like you know, isn't working so well, or just whatever, you know, there's like one of the bathtubs is clogged. Um,
0: Life. It's, just life, and and, yeah. and
1: you, Ricky, both of you, please. Like, tell me if if you don't think that I'm right about this. But I almost think, I almost think the problem from a pain standpoint in relationships is less about mathematical equality in the context of I do just as many things as you do. I think that's less the right. problem than sort of like the spirit of the problem, which is I do all of these things, and they're virtually invisible.
2: There's there's no
1: acknowledgement. Yeah there's None. no like like appreciation or respect for it he or she is fundamentally unaware of how much i have to give of myself to like maintain the standard of living yeah. and i'm like buckling under the weight of it and i'm exhausted and i'm tired and Right, and it gets really gross. And how
0: does that person who's juggling all of those things, how do they have any space to connect with the other person when they're holding up the weight of the world, you know? They're not thinking about sex. They're not thinking about snuggling, you know? They're they're literally trying to keep the house of cards from collapsing on their own all alone. Yeah, she, she's
1: know? often like, again, sorry, guys, for the stereotyping, because some of you out yeah. there are like machines, and you do all the things, and it's great. but But so often, mm-hmm. it's like, busy mom. And and she's often thinking, I would love to be able to sit down and watch a movie Mm -hmm. or a ball game or a whatever and hang out with you. I'd love to do that. But all these things won't get done if I do it. Or if I do, like, force myself to do it, I can't enjoy it because I'm so stressed about all the things not getting done. And I hear that story, like, all of the time. and what I want the people on the other side, often the guys and male female relationships to think about is this notion of like easing that burden. Um, it's not, Hey, can you think of a, a bunch more things to do? Like, can you add a bunch of stuff? Cause oftentimes these guys already feel stressed and busy and, and oftentimes they are really stressed sure, and really busy, sure. but it's like the work to me is you are a person, my wife is a person who, who I don't fail to notice right? Like she's not invisible to me. She is known, seen, heard, cared for, loved. There's attunement. I know the difference between when she's overwhelmed and when she's mm. got a bunch of space. Yeah. I know ah, the difference because I'm good. paying attention. And if she's overwhelmed, I'm checking in and I'm doing whatever I can to like logistically participate or at the at the minimum. In my validation conversations with clients. so much of it is is, like, can we just not leave people alone in their pain? Like, can can we just oh, protect people yeah. from, because I don't think what you think, because I don't feel what you feel, or because I don't feel responsible for your perceived injury that, you know, that you're claiming to have. I'm not going to, like, to me, the message has to be, even if I can't fix what's wrong, even if I can't fight your battle for you, because so often people's pain isn't even about us. It's about some external yeah. third-party thing even if I can't fix it, and and even if I can't, like, like, make you feel better, like, you never have to be alone in the ugliness, you never have to be alone in the dark. And, you know, credit to Brene Brown, for teaching me the concept of just sitting with somebody in discomfort, and and just how valuable that could be. And and really, validation is largely just about that. It's like, you're not going to be abandoned by me, simply because your brain and body don't experience things the same way, you know, as I do. Um, and that's what I want to like do for people. And the reason I hyper-focus on consideration, whether it be about the mental load or any other thing, and validation is because mm-hmm. a relationship fight almost always, in my estimation, consists of, because we don't do these things on purpose. We usually are almost always right. thoughtlessly in our blind spots doing something by accident. It's, I failed to notice or think about responsibly how what I was doing or not doing would impact this other person. And then when they had the courage to sort of like advocate for themselves, my response was the invalidation triple threat. You're wrong, stupid, crazy, weak, hypersensitive, or I'm not responsible. And then we're going to leave them alone. And they just, it doesn't take very long to learn. I I cannot trust this Mm -hmm. human being to love me enough to handle with care my things. They don't. They only handle with care their things. And it's like, I... I, I, they, there's a finite amount of months and years. The average person I think will, will tolerate that.
2: I don't want to butcher Certainly. this quote because I, I don't have the quote. So I'm going to butcher it, unfortunately, but you touched <laughs> on something so perfectly in the book too. You, you said you'll, you'll be you'll have to re you'll have to requote me. You said um, eventually that person who's just consistently invalidated over and over w- once they have the courage to speak up and then they're essentially just shot down, you know, you said, eventually I was teaching my wife, or conditioning her to believe that like I was I was going to she had no safety because like I was I was showing her I'm not only am I you know not only am I gonna invalidate you right now but I'm actually I'm foreshadowing like I, I'm I'm telling you I'm gonna continue to do this does that make right. sense yeah oh, and that's what's, per- and that's yeah. what's so dangerous like I'm telling her this is how I'm going to continue to treat you and that's it, what's it, so damaging to that person
1: if I didn't do anything wrong and you're not really as hurt as you're claiming you are, I have every reason in the world to just keep doing what I'm doing comfortably. For sure. Why should I have to change for you? Yeah. And what she's hearing is I just told you like, this hurts me. And you're essentially promising it's going to happen again over and over.
2: Yes. that's. What and then said,
1: people, yeah. people wonder why like trust the roads and safety goes away. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I really thought I was a pretty smart guy, like pretty smart, right? Not, not a genius. But like IQ. reasonably, you sure. know, like, like mostly A's and a few B's. Like I was that guy. And yeah. like, you know, again, right. not a genius, but, but decent. And I thought I had it figured out. And, and I did not have it figured out. Because I told yeah. my wife every day, but, you know, like not in the words, that yeah, I will always choose me over you. When, when there's some conflict between what I want and what you want, or what I feel and what you feel, or what I think and what you think.
2: Yeah.
1: More often than not, I'm going to choose me over you. And if I'm going to like do what you want me to do, I'm probably going to pout and be a little resentful about it because it's like, Oh, you got to get your way all the time. Absolutely. It's, It's nonsense.
0: Well, I, I have a special request for the Franks. There are stereotypical male listeners here. And for me personally, because, um, nobody knows this, but I kind of am the Frank in my relationship. No one would guess that, but it's, it's me. And, um, what do you think would be like the number one and two thing like advice that you would give to the guy who, who recognizes, Whoa, I am kind of defensive. Maybe there's something to all this nagging that she's doing. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something really crucial and, and hurting the trust. What are like some really practical things that those people can focus on that might help a little bit? Cause I know, um, one thing that i thought would help out is i'm like well i can just ask him what i can do are are you cringing already because i'm like maybe i'll just like walk in and be like what do you need help with babe and i didn't realize this but that was like infuriating (laughs) that didn't help with the mental load at all for him and i thought i was doing such a great job like oh i'm so helpful (laughs) um so what are like some actually helpful things that the franks and the rickies can do to to ease the mental load for their partner and to um respond in a better way when their partner is coming to them with things with, with pain
1: what i'm always talking about with clients in this concept of consideration both validation and consideration to me are, are, are mindfulness habits and th- this might be really offensive to really considerate relationship partners and i apologize but we're truly like sort of not mentally conditioned not only that i was like an only child and i mean i had like a lot of things working against me in terms of I am accounting for and calculating for how all of these other people are experiencing me right now. We're experiencing things I'm doing or not doing. It just was not top of mind. But if you wanna have a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. it's critical that you do that. And so going back to that Mm -hmm. like algebra concept, it's like if I'm X and my partner is Y, one half of consideration is the concept of inclusion. It's just the literal process of making sure that person's variable Y is part of my decision-making tree. Can I make choices that include my relationship partner? And I mean that in a super literal way. Like I have a lot of guys that are like really wealthy and they will have done things like buy motorcycles and buy cars without like telling their wife about it. And they're like, what? I don't have to ask her permission. It's like you don't have to ask her permission. And I would never advocate like that you do, but a -hmm. failure to include your relationship partner in decision-making will, fundamentally cause like pain and trust issues over time so there's like the literal yeah. like include them and then there's like the mental include them so it's like i'm not forgetting that you're a person impacted by what i do and can i just run I the decision making like through that prism um the other mm-hmm. half of consideration as i see it is this notion of like solving for the variable so it can't just be i include you It's got to be i have to have some nuanced understanding of your wants and needs like relationally and I think of like mm-hmm. the ultra simplistic way I think about it is like everybody's got like a list kind of floating over their heads, every person in the world. And there's like all the things that I experience is good and all the things I experience is bad. And if I want to share a life with you, isn't it reasonable for you to expect me to have a decent sense of that list, just kind of decent, right? I have become yeah. an expert in my yeah. field, right? I'm, I'm 44 years old. Like at, at this point, anybody my age, has, you know put in the requisite 10,000 hours of their craft like and probably maybe yeah. some of their hobbies too and they're really good at stuff and their wives see that they're really good mm-hmm. at stuff you know and, and in my case fantasy football poker like all these things that she doesn't care about at all and but I, I can't right. explain like why uh, some of my behaviors are so painful to her again I'm either doing it on purpose mm-hmm. because I'm uh, narcissistic, awful human being, or I'm doing it because she's never mattered enough to me to like make the adjustment. So I'm always thinking about kind of the algebra equation as a means of like protecting myself from not forgetting that other people are impacted. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do the work of applying that list. Sometimes it's the mental load. Sometimes it's they're allergic to peanuts. Sometimes it's yeah. they don't like the dish by the sink or the shoes under the coffee table. Sometimes it's they get really panicky mm-hmm. when you don't answer their texts for 90 minutes. Because one time uh-huh. somebody, God forbid, like died in a car accident or something, and they didn't hear from them, and their memory is trying to get a hold of them, and they couldn't. So now they're like, get really worried. And, you know, we all might roll sure. our eyes, like, should they really get better of shape? Shouldn't they know that we're probably in a work meeting or something? But also, how about we just be considerate of our relationship partner's needs? You know, it's our choice to be with them. Can we accept responsibility for their individual list of good and bad things that impact them? Um, And then Uh, to repeat myself from earlier, I just think my favorite concept around defensiveness is giving yourself grace. You didn't do anything bad. And not only that, like I used to get so offended by my wife, like nagging or complaining to me and I'd get all like Mm -hmm. ego about it and and be really defensive and I'm still probably a huge threat to do things like that. Mm -hmm. Really, truly. Like I haven't had enough therapy, I don't Mm -hmm. think. Like by therapy, I mean (laughs) zero. Like I've never (laughs) been to a therapist and I could probably really use one to like work Mm -hmm. on my own issues, right? But again, the self-awareness is there. So it doesn't get out of hand, which is beautiful. Um, And it kind of like protects me from myself. But if you can do okay. the work of, I didn't do anything wrong, and this really goes back to your guys's conversation about validation a few episodes ago. Um, like, it's can I just the the bad thing that's happening inside of them is real. Like, and wouldn't I want to be if I did something that hurt somebody I love and I didn't know? Like, shouldn't my mindset be gratitude? Like, shouldn't I be so happy they're telling me? Because how else am I going to know? I'll just
0: right. I'll keep Thank you for letting doing me know that, that.
1: If you don't tell me. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if I create an environment in which you're afraid to tell me because I'm such a jerk about it every time, like these are the little ways decent, smart people sort of like pen, prick and paper cut each other all the time. And like we need not do that. And like yeah. both people need to do the work. But in the context of my coaching, I'm really focused on the person who's doing the things that I did. And that is being inconsiderate and then failing to validate and I yeah. think like these sort of subtle mindset shifts are so useful. It can be hard when like the mm-hmm. bullets are firing, like when everybody's mad and emotions are. <laughs> but, but that's why I think we can habitualize it. Like we practice yeah. so many times yeah, you have to. that it becomes habit to validate and to consider. And yeah. frankly, if we're people who are frequently considerate and can be trusted to validate, at least what nine plus out of ten times.
0: Sometimes. Well, there's not (laughs) going to
1: be that like consternation. There's not going to be all like the pain, you know, there's going to be a requisite amount of safety and trust in the relationship. So all of these like really ugly things that happen when people have the same fight, I, I posit Mm -hmm. won't happen. Like it, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's enough safety and trust, it's not going to get like that. It's getting like that because there isn't safety and trust.
0: Sure. You kind of find your way out of that pattern, right?
1: Oh, and um, wanted,
0: I, I'm few, sorry, Ricky.
1: Go ahead. Oh, go no, I remember. No, no, no. Go no, ahead. No, 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 I'm just no. excited. I'm no, just excited. No, me too. And I'm a blurter. To... I'm an ADHD blurter. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I will be too. super fast because all I'm doing is picking piggybacking on what you two either said today or said in in the validation. But like, you say it in I'm such a great way. <laughs> um, yeah, the,
0: you are very okay. eloquent.
1: Well, thank you very much. There is the the list of things that will often like keep reemerging, like. And, and, and Men get yes. so upset. Like she, she keeps bringing up the past, and you know she keeps holding these things over my head. And and I just want to really piggyback and repeat what you guys were already saying: is like be grateful that you have such like a shiny beacon on what to focus on. Those are the repair opportunities. Yeah. Um, I'm almost positive yes. it was from the validation episode. And Ricky, I think you said those are the things that weren't healed, that weren't validated, that are just like left over. And that's exactly how I yeah. think about it. Those yeah. are unrepaired wounds from the past possibly minor, possibly major, but they are the, like the lingering things that continue to trigger pain in the relationship. And I think so much of the restoration of trust um, can be accomplished in leaning into the discomfort of reliving those moments and learning how to validate yes. them and learning how to understand it through hindsight, like how our relationship partners must have experienced those moments. And then we validate And then hopefully we heal. Because I think when we're capable of validating this incident from the past, I think we're demonstrating that we're trustworthy to navigate a situation like that again tomorrow. So if something like that comes up, it's not going to be ugly again. I was just, I finally demonstrated my ability to like walk through it and repair it. And now I think you might be able to trust me to do that again tomorrow, next week, next month, the next year. And suddenly our relationship future looks bright instead of ominous. Yeah. Sorry.
0: I love it. And it takes practice. It does take practice. Uh, um, I'm going to go back to the the sandwich example from the beginning of the episode here. Um, When I made myself a sandwich today and didn't ask my partner if he wanted one, it's not going to be easy for me to remember in the future, like next time I want a sandwich, how does this affect my partner? You know, every little move that I make, that's not hard. It's not an easy thing to include into my day, but it's a necessary thing. And it, and Maybe I am going to feel a little shame the next time I just go make myself a sandwich. And he's just sitting there going, hey, I was hungry, too. You know, Um, I I love what you said about for me personally and and for the Franks who are listening. um, Don't beat yourself up over that. Right. You're not a narcissist for not making your partner a sandwich. But, you know, take that as an opportunity when my partner says, hey, babe, I was hungry, too like what's up with that that's not that's not him being some kind of monster that's him going this is a repair attempt like i'm letting you know like here i'm pointing something out that you've done that hurts me and this is a chance for you to make it right or at least you know at least acknowledge the way that it was wrong that it hurt me um i'm so glad i'm so glad you brought that up today i especially needed to hear that good And,
1: and, and and much like my dish by the sink example the sandwich isn't what hurts he, he doesn't really right. care that much that, like, you have a sandwich right. and he doesn't. It's the absence of, like, that just that it never occurred to you that, that he's a person yeah. that apparently is impacted by that, I'm sure there it's are true. guys that it's wouldn't true. Care he at all. Didn't
0: even want a sandwich yeah right because then i was like well let me make you one and he was like i'm not even hungry that's not even a <laughs> <Yeah. the> deal <laughs> right yeah so you're totally hey, good right. for it's, him for being
2: it's able to like share a- that i mean that's that's that i mean depending on the way that you yeah. do it but it's still very vulnerable to be able to be like you know that yes. that hurt that hurt a little bit can yeah. i share can I, I know
0: it was hard for me to can i share it. a Please quote do. with you yeah, Matthew? um
2: because i this this triggered what you said one of the quotes that you say in the book and it's just it it floored me. You said, in our relationships, we are not at rest. We are constantly adrift. And in my estimation, slowly drifting from one another when we don't have a strong tether. Every day, every conversation, every moment is an opportunity to move closer to one another or further apart. You get to choose. Doing nothing is a death sentence. And that is so true. Like, That's it's beautiful. the small things. It's the small things. But we, we, so often, we don't know how how we are constantly drifting. And, in, and you've used the great analogy in one of the other... Um, sections of, of it's you have to um, row against the current. Like it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill climb. It's going to be an up the current swim. It's you're drifting apart, and it's going to take intentionality for you to um, to come back together. But but doing nothing is not an option. You cannot do nothing. That's you know, we, especially as men, we tend to think like status quo is fine, and it's not
1: because it's like nothing bad happened. But- yeah, yeah, everything's cool, but, but <laughs> right. no, right. often no. It's like subtle bad. Well, it's not it's not bad per se. It's disconnection. Disconnection, disconnection. can lead can lead to right. pain. Right. right.
2: Yeah, disconnection is what destroys most. It's not an absence of love. It's disconnection and 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 mistrust right. and not and you know no safety. But but disconnection is one of the first one of the first signs. And you don't have you don't usually have resentment. without some disconnection first and it's that disconnection that's like the warning sign and what are we going to do about that can this person does this person feel safe to tell you i'm feeling disconnected and do you have the the maturity to be able to receive that and to be able to repair and validate and empathize and all that stuff or is that going to be one of the moments that tears um some trust where you where you where you say like what's why what's this isn't my problem why do you why you know why are you making such a big deal about nothing So Mm -hmm. anyways, I found that fascinating. Well,
0: Hey, um, I would be in big trouble if I didn't acknowledge the fact that most of our listeners are Carol. They're the, they're the, the woman in the equation here. So, uh, Matthew, what advice, what advice would you give for the kind of more disempowered partner who feels like they're carrying the weight of that house of cards and they're working with a partner who's more like me, who might make themselves a sandwich without considering the other person? What What's one or two wonderful things that they can do to maybe infuse more connection or infuse more in awareness, awareness in the partnership about about what's wrong and what can be done?
1: Thank you for asking. I was getting nervous about this one <clears throat> because yeah. I think there is, um, I think an element of sexism like sneaks into this conversation and this is just one of those moments where I just think men need to acknowledge their privilege. Um, Mm -hmm. Like women, uh, part of the mental load, part of the mental load is all the emotional labor that can happen relationally. Like in male female relationships, it's so common for women to share an unfair burden of the, like the relational work, this connection work that we're talking about, this intentionality that we're talking about. That men perceive, I don't know, as some sort of chore or inconvenience. I, I don't quite understand. But, yeah, but but right, but it, it, I don't know. It feels like complaining or nagging or asking for more. A lot of men are like, "Man, nothing I ever do is good enough," and it's like she's always wanting more and more and more and more. And it's like, you know, no, she just wants you to be aware of things that hurt and craves connection because she loves you because she wants the relationship to succeed. Um, but right. but I understand because this is exactly how I used to feel. So anyway, that's my huge like disclaimer of, I apologize <laughs> in advance for all of the people out there, predominantly women, who feel the burden of the relational load and and have tried every single thing they know how to break through to their relationship partner, and then here's some divorced idiot guy like on your show, like <laughs> trying to like advise right. them on like how to talk to their husbands, because because. The truth is the best answer I have is more emotional labor and it's not fair. It's not fair. Oh,
0: that's, it's not fair. Yeah, that's going to be hard to hear. It's just pragmatic.
1: Right. The, the best thing yeah. I have, the best advice I have for communicating a problem you're having, especially if it's like something he's doing or not doing, where you, you're trying to mm-hmm. inspire change in his behavior and or the relationship, is to make it abundantly clear that you're not saying, I think you're bad. I think you're doing this really awful thing. I think you're a crappy person who's trying to hurt me. Like let's eliminate defensiveness from the equation. Like and and I, again I wish like we were doing the work of not being defensive. Like I think that's first and foremost what should we, we should be doing. But if yeah. he hasn't done a lot of emotional work in his life, these are going to be foreign concepts. And if he feels attacked or criticized, it's very natural to defend yourself. If you truly think somebody's treating you unfairly, I think it's one of the most natural things in the world to defend yourself. It's just unfortunately really harmful Mm -hmm. to relationships. So what I would encourage Mm -hmm. the other partner to do is say things like, hey, I don't think you're doing this to hurt me. I don't think of you as somebody who hurts me on purpose. So I'm letting you know and, and, and you might have a hard time believing it, because I think if the same thing was happening to you, it wouldn't hurt you. So it makes perfect sense that you're not hurt by this. Right. But I need you to believe me. This really hurts. And start help. Use analogies if you have to. Peanuts are delicious snacks right up until you find a person that will die when they eat them. And then they're yes. like a tragic, poisonous you know, like thing, like, it's awful, but right, like different thing, people are allowed to experience things differently. They just are. And we have so much trouble, frankly, in all areas of life, accepting this truth, that people are allowed to think and feel the different things they do, because it's often enraging and inconvenient for all the people who violate our (laughs) personal values. Um, And sometimes that's our relationship partner, and it's really sad. But um, I really think that's like step one. Like, if you're just trying to, like, succeed at the conversation. But I just truly want to acknowledge the fundamental unfairness of people who already carry the burden of emotional labor in the relationship having to do more of it Mm -hmm. after many years. I don't think that that's a particularly fair thing. But I am interested in results, and I truly believe that will yield the most results. I also know, right now I can hear it, a lot of women saying, Matt, I've tried that 100,000 times. Oh, I've tried it, and yeah. they're like, you still does not listen, and I I mean, I think a really, really scary awful, difficult truth is that very smart, very decent people who love you, hurt you in their blind spots, they do, they hurt you and they may never stop yeah. and the only way to eliminate the problem is to remove yourself from the situation, and I don't want to sound like I'm an advocate for ending relationships or divorce furthest thing from it, but Mm -hmm. But another value that conflicts a little bit with wanting couples and families to stay together is that I don't think people should allow themselves to be hurt over and over again by anybody for any reason. And so many people out there are hurting because of love and because of commitment, and because they're trying to do the right Mm -hmm. thing. And I think that's a really sad story. And I wish there was a simpler answer than enforcing boundaries. But there's there's not...
0: I, no, because that's an unpopular. It's a very answer. people, very
1: unpopular. <laughs>
0: they don't want to hear that. Yeah.
1: But.
2: <laughs> I love having when I when I have to answer that question as well. It's 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 fascinating to to. But yeah, I, I not that I have a better answer. I'm just saying that I I always say that at the end of the day, it takes two. Like closeness and connection take two. So like I get the I think of this question al- almost every single day. Like how do I? You could rephrase the question a hundred different ways, but essentially what they're asking is how can I have closeness and connection with someone who doesn't care and i and the answer is you can't yeah I mean, like you're you're trying to get something that's not it goes back to the algebra like it's closeness and connection and intimacy whatever you want to call it, it requires certain things and if if that person doesn't care about the things then you won't have that you won't have you know x is not going to be achieved um and that's tragic of course but like it but it off but it, at least it like it makes sense in our mind like oh yeah I can't expect something if, if they're not going to, if they're not willing to put it the work in, you know, X, Y, Z, then, then I'm not going to get intimacy.
1: Totally. Yeah. I, uh, go Ricky, excuse me. Oh, I
0: was going to say, um, no, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew. I'm, I'm like, I'm coming back to stuff that we said a while ago, and I think you're following the okay. conversation better than All I All right. Well,
1: I'll, <laughs> I'll try to keep it brief. I, I, I think that I can experience this myself. So I have some quote unquote empathy for some guys where it's like, like, I don't want to feel responsible for like every aspect of like your life relationship wise. And this is really about young people and really all people, but, but, but usually young people are like, you know, entering these relationships and, and don't always know what it's going to look like 5, 10, 15 years from now, because how could they? Sure. But, but I, do yeah. think, I do think we can't be all things to all people. And I think the healthiest relationships have balance. And there are a lot of guys in this world that I've encountered, and I was a little bit this way, who like to like go do like their, their quote unquote guy things they want to go play golf they want to go play poker they want to they they like how they feel about like what they do at work at least from a, you know i succeed at this i've often heard if we're going to generalize men Mm -hmm. like to succeed and men will shy away from things that they don't feel like they succeed at and so often that Uh. lives in the relational like realm Like, I am not good at that. I'm not good at listening to my partner and then Mm -hmm. saying and doing things that results in her feeling better and feeling loved because I don't know what to do. And because I don't feel successful at that, I want to avoid it. Um, It can often really be that sort of Neanderthalish and 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 simple. And, I mean, that's exactly how Mm -hmm. I kind of thought about it, I think. Um, But it really doesn't have to be overly complicated. But is there an element of relationships in which we maybe sometimes ask a little bit too much from our relationship partners. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be a case-by-case basis. Everybody has to decide for themselves. Absolutely. But, yeah. like, should we be responsible for carrying, like, the entire bucket for the other person? I, I honestly don't know. Um, I think those are mature, authentic, vulnerable, connected conversations that two healthy relationship partners have, and people who don't know how to have that conversation end up fighting and breaking up. Yeah, absolutely. I uh,
0: one one way that I navigate that in my own relationship is, um, I know too that uh, there are some things that I am just better at than Chris. Right? There are some skills that I have, and it might be communication wise or empathy wise that I'm just I'm just simply better at that than him. And in that way, I am okay with carrying a little bit more. I'm a little bit stronger than him. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if. I don't know if we needed to carry really heavy things down the street, he would naturally carry more of those heavy things than I would because he's because he outweighs me by sixty pounds, you know that makes sense. so for me, um I'm okay with taking on a little bit more because I have a little bit more skill in that area. Um, that can help sometimes when we try to decide like well, what's fair like fifty fifty is pretty, pretty well impossible to achieve in relationships. You know, there are some things that you are going to be better at than your partner. And, um, and I, I kind of look at some of those things as a gift that I can give to him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind carrying a little bit more than you. Cause I'm a little bit stronger in this area, in this area. Um, and we try to, we, he and I both try to take on what we can because, um, as our, our previous guest Stan Tatkin said, we are in each other's care. You yeah. know, we have to be, we have to be somebody who, who knows what our partner's strengths and limitations are. And um, it's kind of a beautiful thing when we can step in a little bit when we see their limitations. I think. No, well,
1: it is really nice. And I've had people handle calendars and time management and event planning on my behalf because mm-hmm. I'm so <laughs> substandard at it. Um, mm
2: hmm.
1: I, I think that's a I think it's a it's a really beautiful idea and I think it's the beautiful part of Eve Rodsky's fair play system is that it's really about like optimizing yes. relationally. It's about like optimizing for like what you can do and so that it feels fair for everybody, but I do just want to toss out a quick um like word of defense for all the like frustrated moms out there that don't sure, like hearing sure. from their husbands that you're just naturally good at all the maternal stuff and so Uh, i'm gonna go over here and watch monday night football (laughs) while you like do all the hard things like because Mm -hmm. because a lot of young women aren't somehow magically instilled with like competence i don't think that my ex-wife was i think she just did the work and i didn't do the work she's a fantastic mother and was from day one um even though she must have been so Mm -hmm. scared and stressed about it but she accepted responsibility for like learning whatever she had to learn in order to accomplish whatever she felt needed to be accomplished <laughs> so that our baby had, like, the best possible, healthiest life imaginable. And, I mean, I did none of it. Like, none. Yeah. I just kind right. of followed her lead sure. and Let- um, and thought that was okay. And now I, I don't think that's
0: okay. Right. Well, let's follow that metaphor, too. Um, the one of my partner and I carrying heavy things down the road. If he turns to me and he says, Ricky, I'm carrying a lot of stuff. Like, my arms are given out. This is... I think it's kind of on me to maybe start weightlifting a little, you know, if I want to be with that person, I might, you know, like, I can't just say, well, I'm not strong. That's your job. You know, it might be on me to go. I see my partner suffering. I see them saying they're carrying more than they can handle. And I'm going to do everything that I can to lighten some of that load as well. Great caveat. You you talk a lot, you talk
2: in the book about, about just the invisible labor and the mental load. And, and, and and I, like I said, I didn't write the quote down, but you essentially talk about how it's such a double-edged sword isn't the correct, you know, metaphor for this, but you know, you kind of, it's, it's one jab that a partner doesn't even notice that you're suffering or that you're overwhelmed. Um, And then it's another jab for them to not even like, they don't plan on taking any of that, any of those burdens from you. And it's um you know, that, that there's a special kind of, so with me being a stay at home dad for the last year, I've been blessed to see how much goes into all this, you know. Um the I've done both jobs. I was the I was the the primary breadwinner, you know, full time worker and my wife stayed home and then we switched roles. And I think that's so helpful for men to just see like when it's truly your responsibility to do all these things, you're like, wow, like this is so much more work. This this job, stay at home, not not that I want to tangent on this, but stay at home parenting um, is, is way harder than whatever, whatever I was doing before. And what I was doing before was, um, so this wasn't all I did, but this was a part of my job. If you, God forbid, had a heart attack and you came into the hospital, mm-hmm. um, you'd go through and through the ER and the ER would get you like set up. And then you would come to my, my department. I would be, I was the, the nurse that, um, with a t- great team of doctors and technicians, but the nurse was primary the, pr- primarily the one that would like first meet that patient and bring them up to the cath lab to get you um, taken care of, or you know, do whatever needed to be done to fix the blockage in your heart. But you're actively dying, is my point. It was a very, very stressful environment at times. Not every time, but all of a sudden you'd have a huge emergency, and being in that environment, um, stay-at-home parenting, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even come close. I would, I would rather. I would rather save you from dying from heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> that was far less stressful than yeah. me just staying at home parenting and dealing with everything constantly. And um, so, wow.
1: yeah, yeah, that was my experience when I, I, you know, I became a single parent, just one child, and only yeah. half the time
2: when yeah, know, yeah. when my wife
1: moved out. But it became apparent to me very quickly that that was the most difficult part of my life yeah was maintaining this is the truth is that I, I i didn't after a while so right on the heels of her moving out i maintained like the standard of living that we kept sure. in terms of like cleanliness and organization and i just kept doing all the things and the place you know was like really nice and domesticated and i didn't maintain yeah. that 10 years later it's like it's less <laughs> nice now yeah that's the yes. last nice thing. I still live in the totally the same house. I don't know if, like, people are aware of that or not. I like, Interesting. don't think even cares. But is for that, people to, who are oh, wow. Psychologically,
2: their, like, that's got to be difficult. By the
1: story. Yeah. Um, I did it for my son. Um, there was, like, so much change going on yeah. that I wanted him to have, like, stability yeah. in terms of yeah. environment. And yeah. then, let's just be honest, moving is, like, a huge oh, pain.
2: obviously. Yeah. And so,
1: like, avoiding it, yeah. it. It was emotionally inconvenient for a few years. It, it was. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, it's fine now like it's yeah fun. and my yeah. son's gonna go gra- my son's a sophomore in high school he's gonna graduate i know oh, he's just cool. like a little kid yeah. in the yeah. stories that i tell but yeah you know, he's 15 now and <laughs> he's gonna graduate in a few years and who knows what i'm gonna do i'll probably be all over all over the place at that point yeah she'll be let nice. me ask you That's let me, me ask you an
2: off off the record not off the record but off the off just um it has nothing to do with anything oh, if people copy. wanted <laughs> to find you or if people wanted to um I know, I'm sure you have a website that, that I would love for you to plug, but also you have a, see, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I don't, I didn't do my research, but I didn't do my research. Um, <laughs> I read your book, but I didn't, I knew you had a blog, but I didn't, yeah. but I ha- I didn't go to it. Is it still a thing? Like, do you, ha- do you, are you still write on your blog or not? Not as much? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, not as much as I should, but I do. Okay. Um, so I had a blog from like a few months after my marriage ended until, okay. Until yes. like now. But what I did is I, I sort of stopped writing like when the book happened. I okay. sort of I only had like two or three more blog posts once I got into like the book writing process mm-hmm. that was like taking all of my energy. Um and so I had this blog called Must Be This Tall to Ride. And that's where I had like where do you guys stand on like I know this is like a pretty clean show. Am I allowed to say the S word? Yeah. Like, to say it's a that?
0: fairly clean Good. show. I, don't like, know. I think you're all so, right. So, like,
1: people know me for a series <laughs> of blog posts called "An Open Letter to Shitty Husbands." There's yeah. like 14 of those, oh, okay. and yeah. they know me mostly yeah. from the viral blog post back in 2016 called "She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink." Great like, title. At least one person title, who doesn't know who I am has read that before. That's listening right now. That's right. just Wait,
0: like I read it back in 2016. Yeah, th- I remember when it That's dropped. like how was significant a that yeah. ended
1: up being. Like <laughs> that was crazy. That like <laughs> changed my life. Um, just that one silly okay. article alone. But anyway, yeah. and so mm-hmm. then I got like the opportunity to write the book, um, which was really cool. And But more recently, uh, I think it was April or May, I launched a Substack. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that platform.
0: Oh, cool. But it's so that's where you want people to go people, then, if they're looking for you and your they,
1: And Yeah, and that, you'll find that. If you visit com, you'll find me on Substack. Um, I just have cool. a thing called On the Rocks, even though... It's like a nod to my bourbon enthusiasm, but although don't put ice <laughs> in your whiskey, everybody. Life tip, don't do that. How,
0: how often <sighs> How often do you post to your Um, voice?
1: In a perfect world, I'd be doing it once or twice a week. I, I, I haven't uh-huh. mastered consistency yet because we're coming out of summer and there's been a lot of travel and things like that. But in an ideal world, I'm publishing Monday and like Thursday. And, and I really okay. am going okay, like to cool. try to get there. Um, but but i mean i would say i would say almost always once sometimes twice should be the norm okay. and i'm going to be doing like, like some live say... like events and stuff on there things like this that people can oh, be interact exciting. with hopefully like we'll see you yeah. on there one of these days and yeah, you sure. guys come yeah. and we talk to the people and that'll be fun
0: <laughs> that sounds yeah. fun who who would you say is your ideal substack subscriber what are they looking for what are they trying to learn
1: man that's such a good question um as I think you guys, I'm a marketer, I, That's- <laughs> I think as, I think as you guys probably yeah. know, about nine out of 10 people who engage with relationship content on the internet are women. Um, and mm-hmm. so more often than not, you know, you're going to find women. Um, I, here's the simplest way I know how to like, based on the feedback that I get. Women say, and again, this is such a generalization. I apologize for everybody that doesn't fall into these buckets. A lot of women say, right. Matt, thank you so much for saying these things I've been trying to communicate to my relationship partner or my husband. Jimmy, I'm sure you hear the exact same thing. For all yeah. these years, like you're saying it in a way that like breaks through and connects and you found like a good way to just thank you so much. And also just thank you for validating. Like I am your ex-wife yeah. in this story. Thank you so much for growing. It gives me a lot mm-hmm. of hope that my you know boyfriend, fiance, husband might be able to do the same thing. And then a lot yeah. of the men are like, Matt, I mean, I am you to a T it's like you have a a video Mm -hmm. camera in our kitchen and you're just like (laughs) listening to our arguments because you're saying and feeling all of the same things that like I am. And so I really have a lot of faith that you get like what it's like to be me. And I'd love to learn how to like think and speak in a manner that my wife would interpret as I do love and care about her because truth is most of these guys out there are really decent. They really do love their wives yeah. and they really don't want their marriages to end. They really do feel ashamed mm-hmm. and frustrated that their wives seem to be so upset with them and so hurt by them, but they truly don't have like the vocabulary and or the skill set to get from point A to point B. And they just want to help yeah. facilitate that the best they can. And I know that's exactly the same thing that you both are trying to do as well. No, that's
0: beautiful. I love, ah, I love that. Uh, Jimmy, this is probably the first time that our Frank listeners are ever like, oh my gosh, yes, that's, that's yeah. it. Like, Thank you, Matthew, for saying that on their behalf. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <clears throat> I really do like trying to stick up for them. I, I, I don't think they're awful. I just think they do things no, which are very no. painful for their relationship partners. And yeah. to me, that's the work. We don't have to get defensive. Mm-hmm. We just have to protect the people we love from being hurt because of things we're not paying close enough attention to
0: yeah and and we want to us bumbling franks out there, you know but we we do we do we want to be better we just you know we don't know how we so that's why we're here with this podcast. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today, Jimmy, did you have any other questions? no for that you no, I just yeah out? no,
2: I just want to plug the book one more time it's it's such a good book this is what it looks right. like just in case anybody ever getting it you know
0: for the people who right. are
2: for the it's who such are a good, Ma- Matthew does such a good, he's such a good writer. I don't mean to, I don't mean to inflate your ego so you can just close your ears, but he, <laughs> his right. Ricky will agree as a writer. Um, I do. Such as a, a good writing style. writing style. Um, mm-hmm. It's so like, I, okay. So I don't mean to give you too much information about my life, but so last night I was, I was, okay. So I read your book a year ago, loved it. And then when I was so grateful that you were that you would come on, so I decided, this is how much I like you. I'm gonna reread the book. I'm gonna. I I, I, I took notes on the book the first time. I had my notes, and I said, no, I'm gonna reread the whole book. So. I was sitting in bed the other night, and this just this is just a testament to how funny funny you are when you're writing it. You say so many things. I would just start busting out laughing. Of course, you know I'm reading in silence. My wife has her little earbuds in, you know, and I just start dying. I just start busting out laughing, and she's just like, "What are you laughing at over there?" So, your writing style is oh. so good. You're so you drop so Thank much you. funny things in there. Um, Thank
0: you. I had that same thing, Jimmy. By the way, I was I was reading earlier this yeah. week, and I just have I just do my little chuckles, my little yeah, reading yeah, chuckles, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Chris, my partner's like, do you know how annoying <gasps> that is? Like when you're no. just chuckling and you're not sharing. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was like, "What are you laughing about over there? Right? You're just chuckling to yourself and you just keep reading." Yeah. Um, but it is. It's uh, you. You have you have such a wit in this so book. So much. Yeah. In the book, again, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it's "This Is How Your Marriage yeah. Ends" by Matthew Frey, um, and it's it is it's so funny and so relatable. Yeah.
2: And I'm not just trying to like plug you, but this is something that. If if every man, I don't want to pick on men because women, I I I I want to do a better job at at making sure I tell women there's plenty of things that you need to learn. Well, I'm as well. glad I'm here to remind you guys but, that we do it but too. But this just this book is such a uh, just a guideline, such a such a what's the word I'm looking for, Ricky? Where like a blueprint? This is a blueprint of if if yeah, if every man good. could read this yeah. book before they married, or you know, hopefully before just at any point like it would change or when things get it would change everything it would change everything but but i like to get to men before they've put in these hard concepts of like i want them to know going into a relationship like what to expect and what mindsets you need to have and like don't let you know your ego get control of you don't don't start the blame game don't don't feel like i don't know it's just all of these concepts are just so you know i've i've read a lot of books and i'm not i'm not um saying that I still have a lot, lot to learn, but I've read a lot of books. And this, this is one that I would say, um, if a man came to me and said, you know, I'm willing to read one book. What is it? I, I always say like, read Matthew Phrase, uh, this is how your marriage ends. High praise. Yeah. And I just praise. got, Thank and you. I just got an email back from, uh, from one guy who I s- told to read it. And he, he said, I, he said, I'm just emailing emailing you back. I read it. And it, it, it was, it was exactly what you said. He said, it feels like he was inside my house. It feels like every argument I've ever had, he He hit it to a T, and then he told me how you know to manage this going forward, and things are much better. And I was like, "Hey, that's awesome." And Jimmy,
0: you told me that guy read that book in like two days or something, didn't he? Wasn't it like an unreal? Oh yeah, because unfortunately, when
2: you're in a crisis, which is what we all do, we don't. You have a quote here where it's where it's like, I don't, um, I I don't want (laughs) to find it, but you don't you don't deal with things until they're immediate threats. And that's the problem. Like we don't deal with relational things until they're immediate threats. And we don't need to do that. We don't, you know, anyways. So.
1: It's true. Uh, All your, all your heart patients, they would have eaten way fewer bacon cheeseburgers. if they somehow had a crystal ball and knew like what that was going to be like. Exactly. Um, And that's essentially what we do relationally is we're like, Oh, we can have the burger. We can have the milkshake and then it's fine. And you know, we don't have to work out today. And then, yep. It's all those,
2: it's all those habits. It's those, it's what are, how are your habits going to come back and get you for positive or negative? Yeah. Anyways. So thank you so much. This was so
0: great.
1: You guys are wonderful. Yeah. We're going to
0: throw. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, We're going to throw a link to your book in the, in the podcast notes. So if if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, that book sounds like something that would help me or my spouse or better check that out. Um, We're going to hook you up with a link. Um, Check it out after the episode. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're here listening, you you're doing the work. Um, Jimmy and I, we're both doing the work. For Matthew, sure. you said even though you've wrote the book, you're still doing Certainly. the work. Um, we're we're proud of you, listeners. So keep it up, and come back next time. We'll have something more just like this. Absolutely. For
2: you. Thank you, guys, again.